Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Space Parenting Week 10. This is our last week. I can't believe it is finally here. Someone said finally before. I'm like, oh, it's over already. But uh, it's been awesome. Ten weeks. It's kind of flown by, but it's kind of been a while. Yeah? How do you guys feel? Good, good, good. Good, good. Um, So today we're going to talk, we've been talking about freedom over the last few weeks. And tonight, today, we're going to talk about freedom to make mistakes. Um, Let me pray and then we'll talk about that a little bit. And then uh, we've got a couple questions for your tables to converse. And then we'll come back. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much that you are a gracious God who loves us. Uh, God, we know that we make mistakes all the time. And so we thank you that you are gracious with us, that you're patient with us, and that you nurture us uh, through these things. Uh, God, we pray that today we would continue to have open hearts and open minds for what you have for us, that we would lean into your grace, and that we would trust you Uh, to continue to be diligent to honor you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So, uh, last week we talked about freedom to be vulnerable. Was that last week? Candid. Candid, Candid, that's right. She's like, I haven't watched the video, but I remember last week's lesson. That's awesome. I haven't watched it. Oh, I see, I see, I see. The, bo- the books are great like that. Um, but this week we're talking about freedom to make mistakes. So here's the thing that I would like to ask you to do. And I'll, I'll write the questions on the board as well. But what is the biggest thing you've taken away from Grace Based Parenting? So in your groups, uh, talk about that. What's the biggest thing you've taken away in the last nine weeks, ten weeks of this class? And then I want you to think about the biggest mistake you've ever made. You don't have to share it. But... Talk about how would you have liked to be treated? Uh, was that how you were treated or were you treated differently? And how would have being treated differently, if you weren't treated well, have made a difference? Make sense? All right. Then go ahead and break into your groups and I'll write these questions on the board and then we will come back. All right, as we're coming back from our discussions, um, does anyone want to share how being treated differently when they made a big mistake may have changed uh, their perspective, their outlook, how things would have been differently uh, had they been given more grace or, or maybe more truth, depending on the situation? All right. Well, I remember one time, um, my I, I was my so uh, I dropped out of high school when I was seventeen, and I started working. And um, my sister really, really pushed me to go to college, and so I had a GED. I didn't have an SAT or ACT, but there was a college that accepted me. So I, I ended up going. And I remember the first semester I worked super hard and I had um, all A's and B's and I had one C. 
And I remember bringing this this report back to my dad, super proud, like I've never gotten grades that good in my life. And uh, and he goes, well, why why'd you get a C? And I was just like, done, done, like. And uh, and not long after, I dropped out again, which is my choice and my issue. But um, but it's it's amazing how as parents we have so much uh, influence on our kids and what we can we can do in, in encouraging them or discouraging them. Um, so let's let's go into this video as we talk about freedom to make mistakes, uh, which is really interesting and crazy because we're kind of in a culture that says don't make mistakes, and I have to correct your mistakes, and I have to eradicate the mistakes that have been made. But how do we live in a grace-filled home that gives freedom to make mistakes? So Tim's going to talk about that. We're going to look at uh, video 10 on grace-based parenting. All right, so that video was really good. Um, There were a ton of things this week that Tim talked about that I really want to highlight. And so today, kind of different than what we usually do, but I just kind of want to go through the chapter with you guys in your books and also um, just know that this is open discussion. So as we're kind of reviewing what Tim said and highlighting some things and elaborating on some things, if you have a question, thought, comment, you want to start opening up discussion, that's really, really valuable. So I just want to encourage you at any time, don't feel bad at all. Interrupt me, raise your hand, whatever, interject, because uh, the more we discuss, the better it will be. So here's some things that I wanted to look at as we talk about freedom to make mistakes. Um, one of the first things he says on page 109, on, on Roman numeral number 1A, he says this, A grace-based atmosphere provides the optimum conditions for dealing with our children's sin. And this is fascinating to me because what we're talking about, um, and I'm not saying that all mistakes are sin, but sometimes they are. And uh, how do we respond to sin when we see it? Uh, this is this is really important question when we're talking about the freedom to make mistakes, because there's two ways in which we typically respond to sin. Um, if anybody has their Bible, look at Genesis three, chapter three, verses six through eight. Genesis three, six through eight. And if you get there, if you'd like to read it, that'd be great. Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 3, uh, verses 6 through 8. Does anyone want to read that? The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves to cover, to get other to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Okay, so so here's the thing: Adam and Eve sin, and what are the two things that they do? They hide, and they they cover themselves. So, so here's us when we sin. Don't look at this. Don't see this. Just ignore this, right? So we cover ourselves. And, and what else do we do? 
We try to hide. Right? So this is, this is one way in which we respond to sin. Look at 2 Samuel. Uh, 2 Samuel is going to be to your right. There's, there's these kind of books of two, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. We'll be in 2 Samuel. Uh, it's right after Ruth um, and 1 Samuel. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Verse 13 through 20, and I'll read that. And, and you guys may be familiar with this. This is uh, after David and Bathsheba have committed adultery, after uh, David has commanded his general to basically kill Bathsheba's husband. So we're talking about murder and adultery. Those are, those are pretty big mistakes. Those are pretty big sins. Um, and, and so in verse 13, he's confronted by Nathan the prophet. In verse 13 of chapter 12, it says this, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. This is a massive, incredible response. This is incredible. Uh, Nathan replies, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown your utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he's dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went into his own house, and at his request they served him food, and he ate. This is interesting. Uh, We see that when Adam and Eve sin, they run and they hide. How does David respond when he's confronted with his sin? Look specifically at verse 13 and verse uh, 19, or verse 20 rather. So how does David respond when he's confronted with sin? He turns to God, right? He admits his sin and he goes to worship. So this this is really interesting to me. And I think that when we look at sin... And we look at our relationship with God, we have to realize two things. That our relationship with God is predicated on this thing called covenant, right? That God loves us, He gives us a covenant that is our identity, and we have a relationship with Him. That is incredible. But, and, and that answers the question, who am I? Right? But it's not just relationship that God gives us. He also gives us responsibility. He gives us purpose. And this answers the question, what am I here for? And so when we look at this, when we look at God and we look at Scripture and we look through the lens of relationship and responsibility, covenant and kingdom, we start to see things clearer. And what David realized is that he had sinned and he was irresponsible. 
but his irresponsibility did not affect his relationship. And this is something as parents that's really important because as children, many of our parents didn't recognize the difference between relationship and responsibility. Although they're one, they're different. My wife and I are one, but we're different, right? We're not equal, we're one. Uh, relationship and responsibility are, are very much the same way. They're not equal, but they're one. They're different, but responsibility flows from relationship. And so when we understand that, uh, we treat others accordingly, especially our children. Our parents may have not understood that, and so our discipline may have looked like this. Who do you think you are? This is a relational statement. Don't you know that you're a scooty? You're useless. These are relational statements, right? And so what they did is affect our relationship, potentially. I don't know your parents. And, and may or may not have affected our responsibility. Maybe they did both, right? When God deals with us, look at Romans 8.38, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, right? That, that this doesn't affect our relationship, but it affects our responsibility. And so God relinquishes responsibility from us, not so that we run from Him, but so that we run towards Him. Realizing that I didn't trust you, I didn't trust in our relationship, and I tried to operate on my own power, which I'm powerless to do, and I faltered in this responsibility. And so God decreases this so that we lean into Him so that He can increase it in the future. Does that make sense? So when that happens, our response to irresponsibility isn't running away from God, but running toward God. And we see that in David's example. And so David understood his relationship with God so well that he ran towards him. Now, as parents, if we love our children well and communicate that when you're irresponsible, there are consequences. David lost a child. Like, there were consequences. But our relationship is still strong. And if our children understood that, and they knew that, and they trusted us like that, then when they were irresponsible, they would come and go, I messed up. What do we do? I'm, I'm at a loss. And we would say, okay, I love you. And I'm here. Thank you for coming to me. Let's figure this out. Let's first and foremost pray and repent and ask God's forgiveness, which he gives graciously. And then let's move forward to see what happens. But understand there may be consequences. So we'll face those. That's okay. Um, does that make sense? Excellent, excellent. Really, really, really important. Um, questions, comments, thoughts? All right, then. Uh, let's continue on page 110C. Uh, God wants a commitment to obedience that comes from a love for Him and a trust in Him. So many look at John 14, 15. And what does that say when you get there? If someone would read that. John 14, 15. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right before Acts, chapter 14, verse 15. What does it say? If you love me, you will 
loves me, keep my commandments. Okay, so Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That sounds kind of like, well, if you loved me, you'd do this for me. No? Yeah? I mean, what does Jesus mean here? That's a pretty crazy statement. Well, if you love me, you'll obey me. Is that what he's after? What do you guys think? Yeah? Well, the way I've always understood it is as we, as we know God more, we're going to love Him more. And when we love Him more, like, it's like, like the more I fall in love with my wife, I'm like, I just want to do stuff for you. It's not like you have to tell me, you know, Please help in the house. The dishes are a mess. Can you clean up the kitchen when you're done cooking or something? I'm just like, oh, it would make her day if I cleaned up the kitchen. I'm going to go clean up the kitchen. For sure. So, like, I feel like the same way with God a lot of times. The more I know Him when I read scriptures or I learn mm. something new in church or something, I'm like, like oh, I want to actually start doing whatever. Yeah in my life because I know that's what's going to please him. Right. And it's not a matter of like, okay, there's no... <laughs> obligation. Obli- right. There, I, like, there's an obligation, but it's not a, it's not a begrudging... Right, it's not a burden. Or, right, it's, like, it's not like... Whereas, like, a lot of the legalism I grew up with mm. was like, okay, I guess I better do more of whatever, read my Bible, right. I need to memorize more verses, yeah. I need to... Tell more people. Because that's what makes me good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. As if, right? It's all that outward. Yeah. That so, excellent, excellent. So, so I, love, I love what you're saying because Jesus isn't saying, if you love me, you'll do what I say. He's saying, no, no, no. When you love me, you will naturally be more obedient. Here, here's something that we talked about covenant and kingdom, right? So God's our... That's a horrible triangle. God's our Father. Um... And he offers us this relationship, this covenant, right? And really, covenant is our identity. And when I embrace my identity, I find myself obedient. Does that make sense? So, God's a father who gives us covenant identity. And when we embrace this identity, we find ourselves obedient, right? But, but our issue is that too often what we try to do is obey in order to get closer to the Father. It doesn't work. When I try to be obedient, I find myself sinning. When I spend time with God and embrace Him more, I find myself being obedient. Does that make sense? Excellent, excellent. Um, so let's continue. Any, any questions, thoughts, comments on that? All right. Let's continue with 2B. Uh, This is page 111. Graceless homes make it very difficult for children to utilize the presence and power of God to gain victory over their bent towards sinful behavior. Uh, It is impossible to lean on God's power when you are constantly trying to improve by your power. Uh, It just doesn't work. Look at 2 Corinthians 12.9. Oh, 
I want to talk about this real quick again, this identity piece that's really important. Uh, Peter and I were talking, and he said this, that in studies right now, identity is the number one motivator. Uh, Advertisements, you ever notice advertisements? They advertise to the identity. That's why, like, sometimes there's 18 different flavors of Gatorade, right? Because... According to your preference, you'll choose one, right? Um, even even different baseball teams, right? Or or hunters, all these things. They they advertise to specific people that embrace those things. Um, so we know more than we can do, and that's been evident in this class. There's so much information that we're throwing at you, and you n- know it, and you're, you're gathering it, but we know more than we can do. But we, when we embrace who we are, we will start to do. When we try to do what we know, we inevitably falter, because we know more than we can do. Um, so identity is really important, number one motivator, and we grow in our identity as we spend time with the Lord. Uh, John fifteen five, which we'll talk about in a second, but uh, as we talk about this this idea that it's impossible to lean on God's power when you are constantly trying to improve by your own power, uh, look at Second Corinthians twelve nine. So Second Corinthians is right after First Corinthians. I'll be here all week. Um, <laughs> Uh, which is right after Romans. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 9. It says this. But he said to me, this is Jesus saying to, to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Stop trying to operate on your own power. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Trust God. He will make it happen. Uh, let's look at 3A. Uh, in grace-based homes, parents don't preoccupy themselves with trying to keep sin out of their homes. What? What? What does that even mean? So, so this is really interesting. When he said that, I was like, what? How many of you guys, gals, people, have uh, been in an accountability group or, or heard about accountability groups? Yeah. And, and here's my question. Like, most, most accountability groups that I hear about are, I ask like, oh, so how's it going? What do you guys do? And, and they're like, well, we get together once a week and we just kind of talk about our struggles and we, we confess our sin. And I go, wow, that... That's horrible. <laughs> like, I would feel like the most down, trodden, beaten up. Here's how I messed up again this week. Like, like I don't know how I mess up all the time, right? And and oftentimes when I have these conversations with guys, they'll be like, "So, what do you, what do, you do? You have a group like accountability group?" And I'd be like. Not the way you do, like, but yeah. And, and they're like, so what do you do? And I said, well, when we get together, we talk about what God's challenging with us, challenging us with, and, and what he's affirming 
us with. And so our time looks like, man, here's what I'm reading in Scripture. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's what God's challenging me with. Here's how God's affirming me in my life. And, and yeah, in that environment, I have freedom to confess sin, but that's not why we're there. Because here's the thing. Focus is really important, right? And, and oftentimes, when our focus is on sin, it's not on Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Adam, but we're focused on how not to sin. Yeah, you just proved my point. You're focused on sin, right? But we want to be focused on Jesus. And so, grace-based homes that, or, or homes that are constantly preoccupied occupied with trying to keep sin out of their home are focused more on sin than they are on Jesus. Does that make sense? So how do we make that shift? How do we make the shift from trying to protect ourselves from not falling into sin to focus on Jesus? I think, I think uh, number two kind of helps us with that. It says this, grace-based homes assume kids will struggle with sin. What? That's a novel concept. Like, we're not going to avoid it? Not yet, right? And teaches them to tap into God's power to help them get stronger. So how do we do that? Somebody look at John 15.5. What does that say? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fifteen, five. Jesus says this: "I am the vine; you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." Jesus says this: "You can't do anything apart from me." So why are you trying? Spend time with me and you will find yourself doing what I've asked you to do. Spend time with me and you will find yourself doing what I've asked you to do. When you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Make sense? Alright. So, spend time with Jesus. Um... This attitude helps parents show their kids how to find greater victory when it comes to sin. When you love me, you will obey what I command. Right? When you spend time with me. How, how did, okay, so a lot of you guys are married. Um, when you met Brian, Candace, like, were you, was it just like love at first sight and we got married the next day? Close, but no. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> So, how did you grow in love with Brian? Spending time together. Right? We know this. I grow in love with someone when I spend time with them. I can't not. Because primarily, all of this is relational. God is a relational God who has been in perfect community with and amongst himself for eternity. And he offers that to us. And so, relationship is super, super important. Look at 3B1. So this is on page 112. It says this, 
You can encourage your children to struggle with their sin out in the open where you can talk about it and direct them to the power of Christ. Look at Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. So Ephesians is right before Philippians, right after Galatians. There's these four short little books after 2 Corinthians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, G-E-P-C. And I always remembered it, God's Electric Power Company. G-E-P-C. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So Ephesians 5, 8 through 11 says this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Let me summarize that. Darkness can't stand in light. We need to shift from this running and hiding to this, aha, there it is. This is what I don't want to do, God. Here, please take it from me, right? What if we created and cultivated an environment in our homes where that is what we did, right? Peter mentioned a few weeks ago when we talked about vulnerability, apologizing to your kids, right? What if they were open? Hey, I did this. That would be pretty amazing, right? Um, But we have to model that. Um, Which is pretty incredible because here's the thing, parents. You get to model something that Jesus never got to model. And that's repentance. And too often we were raised in an environment where you had to be perfect. And perfect meant never admitting your fault. Like, that's not the kingdom. In the kingdom, we express our repentance. We expose darkness to light. And then it dissipates and is gone. And in that environment, there is freedom. Because we gain freedom when we surrender. That's the kingdom economic. We gain victory when we surrender. And we need to surrender our sin over the Lord and all that we are and all that we have. So, look at 3C. It says this, Grace avoids condemnation. That's awesome. Romans 8, 1. I'll just read one. Uh, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? None. 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 There's freedom. There is freedom. Um, I know it's super late, so if you guys got to run, run. I have a couple more things. Um, we, we have to understand this. Condemnation is shame, right? And, and we have to understand the difference between guilt and shame. Conviction and condemnation. Guilt, there's two types of guilt. Healthy guilt and unhealthy guilt, right? Unhealthy guilt says, gosh, you're horrible can't believe you did that. Yeah, that's just who you are. You'll always do that. That's condemnation. Healthy guilt says, hey, you did this. You're guilty of this. This is something you did. But you don't have to do this. And you don't have to continue in this. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Right? Adam, I love you. 
You don't have to do this. Give this over to me. Let me take it so that you can live the way I intended you to live. The enemy condemns. Adam, you're a piece of trash. You did this because that's all you know how to do and that's all you'll ever do because you're junk. Who do you want to listen to? The liar or the Holy Spirit? Right? And in the same right with our kids, encourage. Right? Partner with the Holy Spirit. You ever pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit, help me to say what you're saying to my kids. Help me to partner with you in what you're saying to my kids so that I say what you say and I do what you do. What would that look like? That would be pretty amazing. That would be pretty amazing. Um, So let's look at one. It says this, 3C1, on the bottom page 112. When children have the freedom to make mistakes, they adopt a humble attitude, experience remorse, and express a desire for forgiveness. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10. This is fascinating to me because Paul addresses this. And in 7, 9 and 10, he says this. 2 Corinthians. Don't go to 1 Corinthians or else you'll be in the wrong spot. And 2 Corinthians is right after 1 Corinthians. Okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10 says this. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. There's two types of remorse. When, you, when your kids say sorry, and you know... They're either sorry they got caught, sorry, or they're repentant. I'm so sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. Right? One brings life. The other brings death. Create an environment so that their sorrow is godly and not just sorry I got caught. Because sorry I got caught leads me to, I wonder if I can get away with this. But godly sorrow leads me to despise the thing I once did. Um, So, any questions, thoughts, comments before we pray and wrap up? All right, well, uh, I want to remind you, there is another class of grace-based parenting that we'll be doing in January. Peter and I just got the books. We're starting to study and look at that and prepare for next semester. So we would encourage you, if you would like to continue with us, we would love to have you. And please feel free to invite anybody that you would like. Um, We will also be emailing you evaluations for the class. So they're super quick. I think there's like less than 10 questions. You can just click on something. It'll take less than five minutes to do. And that'd be super helpful for us um, if you would take some time and uh, fill out the evaluations. So thank you guys all for coming to this class and spending time. I appreciate your openness and your vulnerability, your honesty with one another. I pray that it was encouraging and helpful. And Peter and I are always here. 
um, if you want to talk or pray about anything or just converse and ask questions. Let me pray and we'll dismiss. Father, thank you again for our time together. Thank you for uh, this life with you. And we pray, Lord, that we would operate on your power and not our own. That by your grace, we would learn to grow to be the parents that you've created us to be. And we pray that we would spend time with you and honor you in all that we think, say, and do. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless everyone here in their parenting their love for their children, and when challenges come up, that they would not operate on their own power, that they would know that they're not alone, but that they are with you, that you're with them, and that they have a family of uh, like-minded and loving people that will help them and encourage them as they walk through this. So Lord, for all this, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.